Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Greetings, dear listener from Australia. As you know, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. I'm doing kind of a pre-show introduction because the sound on this show is so bad. But we just don't have time to re-record it, so I have to put it out this way. But I hope that you'll understand and realize that I know there is a problem, and I hope that by the next episode we can get it fixed. But when we're on the road, I just don't have the time to sit down and re-record the episode. And I think there's lots of interesting things in this episode that you're going to want to hear, but you're going to have to work to hear it. And I certainly understand if you decide not to listen to the episode, but uh, I hope that you'll look at our webpage and uh, keep in touch with us because we do have a lot of uh, loyal listeners and we hope that uh, we will be able to be back on track next month. This is not an April Fool's joke, even though it is April Fool. This is the real deal. We had uh, a microphone that was recalcitrant, and I just couldn't get things to sound correct. Uh, And I should have used what I'm using now, and that's the internal microphone for my laptop. But in retrospect, and with the jet lag, I just didn't have the marbles about me to (laughs) make that happen. Uh, It sounds stupid, but it's true. So uh, listen at your own discretion, and we will be back again next month. Until then, here is the episode. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator, speaking to you live from the Fiji Western Hotel in the South Pacific. And this is Martha, the co-pilot, nowhere near a campground (laughs) near you. I want to start at the beginning of this program by saying I have watched the RV Navigator struggle for about an hour now with one equipment meltdown after another. So please don't write him emails about how the sound is poor or that things are buzzing. Um, This is a very frustrated man with nothing but (laughs) coconuts around him to try to remedy this problem. Most of in my head. (laughs) Jeez. Well, we have traveled a long way from home, and there are not many campgrounds around here, that's for sure. I haven't seen a one. We are looking at the ocean at the moment. But we should maybe start by saying that we are happy that we were able to get home from Tucson, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, That was a very long drive, a good 1,700 miles, as I recall. Um, Again, the poor RV navigator shouldering the burden all by himself. We didn't pause to have any fun. We probably could have made it home in four days, but keeping an eye on the weather forecast, we saw snow at home, so we paused in St. Louis before making the final push, and when we got home, poor Ken had to winterize immediately. And winterizing for me doesn't mean, as I mentioned before, does not mean just blowing it out. It means putting in the pink stuff, and I lost two gallons of pink stuff on the... because I left the low-point drains open, and the... Oh, everybody does this. You leave the, the drains That's open. That's why you're going to go buy more? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> Do I have to admit to everything? So the pump pumps out two gallons of pink, pink stuff, stuff on the, the street. But it's good you did it, because yeah, indeed, it's, been it's been cold. below freezing a number of nights, both yes. while we were at home and since we've come here to Fiji. Uh, so the trip home was interesting, because... Um, we didn't want to spend any time doing anything, so except driving. 
So we were able to find campgrounds that were of little cost. Or no cost. Or no cost. And that's something that uh, when you have a big rig that is uh, boondocking friendly, you can easily find places to stay along the way that won't cost you anything. And another concern that time of year as we come further north is that campgrounds aren't even open, even if you wanted to stay in one. So having an alternative place to just park for the night uh, turned out to be a real blessing. Yes, um, and so that worked out well. We came home and we spent only $45 for camping. The entire trip. The entire Well, the entire trip home. And that was only because we needed a dump station and stuff at the end, because we so we wanted full hookups as we came close to Illinois, but not too far into Illinois because of the snow. snow. But, of course, here, now that we have traveled all the way, half literally halfway around the world, and skipped a whole day. Who knows where last Sunday went. But we have now uh, gone to the other extreme, and it is extremely warm. Hot and humid. Hot and humid. We have the air conditioning pumped, and we have uh, moisture on the windows because of the condensation from the moisture, and it's been raining, and it's been hot, and oof. So far, we don't have much to share with you regarding our travel experience because our main motivation to stop in Fiji was to break up the <laughs> flight to Australia, which is where we're really going, and um, try to try to conquer the jet, the jet lag and the time zones. I have to wonder if the equipment malfunctions and the stumbling that we're doing when we're talking would be remedied by a few more days here, but it well, is what is, it is. We haven't done this many time zones in quite a while. Um, because we don't want to. Yeah. Well, even Africa wasn't quite as many as this, but this is literally day for night swap so that going across the international dateline, and so we're talking about four and a half hours to get to L.A. where we transfer to a flight that takes us to Fiji, and it was almost 12 hours to get to Fiji from L.A., and we still have another four-hour flight tomorrow, which takes us to Sydney, so it's a long way from home. <laughs> With lots of meals and, and lots of uh, interesting things along the way. We were fortunate enough to fly business class the first two legs, and that meant we started each part of the trip in the business class lounge. And we ended up having a four-dinner day because <laughs> the business lounges have wonderful food. The one in Chicago even had these big, juicy scallops, which I just love, and have gotten so expensive. And then we got on the plane and had a meal. Then we landed in L.A. and went to their business class lounge. I think my meal there was a bowl of fruit. And then they finally gave us the final meal, the fourth meal, at 2 o'clock in the morning, body time. And it's still 2 o'clock in the morning. This is strange because we leave home on Friday and we get to Fiji on Sunday and Saturday is just totally gone because of the international date. We'll get it back when we come home? I guess so. We had the same problem on the drive. We were very stupid. We knew we were going to lose um, an hour driving home because we were driving east, but we did it on the weekend when they changed time (laughs) and we sprang forward and lost two hours on that day. That was not good planning on our part. And it also occurred to us as we were driving and not having much else to think about that we were gone for seven months. 
um, that's, that's a long time. cheating a bit because we did fly home for the holidays before we came back to Las Vegas and continued our RV trip. But that is a long time to be away from home, and it makes us feel like we are full-timers, although we really are not. Well, we're full-time travelers. That's for sure. <laughs> although we will be home for just, well, we'll be home in our, our condo at home where we will enjoy the Chicago trip experience. So it's just a vacation. Our home is a vacation home, too. It's just a vacation. So that makes me um, think about an article we want to link to that talks about um, using the wrong math to compare full-timing to vacation RVing. I would say we have been through this process. As young people, working people, we only RV'd uh, when we had holiday time. Sure, of course. That's all you have time for. And it was very... Just a few weeks a year. It was very clear to us as we started spending more and more time in an RV that there were things that weren't important to us as part-time, as real part-timers that um, became essential as full-timers. Yes. This article points out things that you might not have thought about if you are contemplating making this big step yourself. And it looks like, you know, you just kind of uh, take the vacation and extend it for a long period of time, and that's called full-timing or kind of what we do, part-time full-timing. But that's really not the case. Your whole mindset has to change. You don't think about the fact that Monday, next Monday, I'm going to be back at work and think about the things that you have to contemplate and you certainly travel at a much slower pace because you're not always you watching should. the calendar and thinking about what you can cram in before you have to go home again. And we certainly read the Facebook posts about these people who want to do, you know, they're going to do three weeks and they're going to go from Florida to Connecticut via Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> no, that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if, you want to do it all you and you don't do have it. any time. And we would say, oh, my, why would you ever want to do do that well because you're on a vacation but that's not going to be a very good vacation i don't think you'll need a vacation from your vacation yeah, when so you get s- home again so i was spending seven months and traveling down from seattle down to uh tucson and phoenix area that was plenty of time to do those things and we did get to see a lot but if you have to race through that and your mindset is i have to keep going i have to keep going then but you need to plan your retirement not looking at your vacations because it's not just a vacation. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. And and here here in Fiji, people are always wishing us um, a good time on our vacation, and we want to be smart, Alex, and say back to them, this is not a vacation, this is our life. Uh, We are so lucky to be able to travel as much as we do, and that we both love it so much, because not everybody does. Yeah, not everybody likes to travel like we do. But this is a very different experience than being in the RV, traveling out of a suitcase. Oh, I hate it. (laughs) You must not hate it too much. You are here. (laughs) Well, it's nice to be in Fiji. I just wish I had all of my things. What don't you have? My washer and dryer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Can we pack that up? Tonight we're going to go to, I'm calling it a luau because that's what you call it in Hawaii. And... I have a wonderful dress that I would like to be wearing there, but I had to leave it at home because my suitcase was too heavy. Oh, you only get 50 pounds. 53 days and 50 pounds of suitcase. Of suitcase. Is not really all that conducive to having 
things for every occasion. No fashion So your luau, fu- your luau sh- dress is at home. <laughs> as long as my money is green. Luau sh- or whatever color. dress. <laughs> I Do I know this dress? No, it's brand new. I bought <laughs> it for this trip and then I couldn't bring it. You bought it for this trip? And then I couldn't bring it. Yeah. So it's at home unused? Yeah. yeah, I've never worn it. You bought something for this trip and couldn't bring it? Yeah. It's a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when are you going to wear it? There are no loyals at home. On the next trip. Why? Why will you have more Because space? we won't be planning such a stupid trip with cold weather and warm weather and formal clothes. And oh, my. We you should are, do something you are simple. In, in crisis here. I, I didn't am. realize this was happening. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. We did have a flat tire while we were in Tucson. On the car. On the car, right. Well, I won't even say this. We had one on the road, too. We did? <laughs> Nobody told me. <laughs> this is, the, the, the podcast is kind of cathartic. The moment of truth. <laughs> How could we have a flat tire and I didn't know it? Was it on one of the booths? Uh, yeah, because. Was it still flat? No, it's been fixed. You can't fix a big honking RV tire. <laughs> yes, I can. With what? With, Explain yourself, with sir. With a wrench. Well, I went out after it had sat for two months, and the tire was completely flat. Was Before completely, we left? Yeah. Oh, still that could have been alarming. It, well, that's my... Well, and I guess that brings up the fact that, that do you need to, to bring with you a compressor? I think so. There's nothing worse than just being stuck by the side of the road. Our car flat tire happened on the road, and we were it was slow leak, so we were lucky to get back. But the next morning when we got up, whoop, flat tire. So that was... Not catastrophic. But if you had to pump it up on the road, that would be uh, could be a problem. And, of course, that's why we have the tire pressure sensors, is so that, that will tell us about that. But this was while we were driving the car. Sensor in the car, although the car, because it's new enough, it does have a second set of sensors built into the tires. Did you know that? No. Your your car has two sets of tire pressure. I know sensors. it displayed on while you yeah. were driving, so you knew that's something new that they require. That's very nice. Yes. So we knew we but could coast back to the campground. <laughs> Two pounds of air or whatever was and left so, in it. And so our friend Wally uh, helped me take the tire off, and we took it up to the little Mexican uh, tire tire repair guy, and he fixed it for $15, and it's been fine ever since. But you need to pump that up, uh, and if you're on the road, you need to pump it up. Uh, I carry a nice uh, compressor with a tank on it, and, I, and the reason why very... is because I need 120 pounds of pressure for the front. And it took me well over half an hour to fill up the empty tire uh, from zero, well over half an hour, even with the compressor. So what but it's do you... so big and heavy. Yeah. So what do you carry? Nothing. <laughs> I carry you. Well, I'm actually... <laughs> oh, the pressure. So what do you, dear RV listener, carry? That's a better way to say it. Okay. Is that's... So, um, so are you recommending the Cobalt Portable Air Compressor Inflator that well, provides I saw this up one. to 120 PSI? 
the perfect size to keep in your car inflates items quickly like a car and a bike. Oh, we'll have to talk about bikes in a minute. And plugs into a 120 volt or 12 well, volt. Well, I saw this outlet. this one that I'm rec- that I'm going to put a link up to because it was kind of cool looking. It's only 12 inches square, so that uh, the compressor I have compressor that I have takes a lot of space. And it's heavy. But it has a tank, and it's having a tank is kind of a critical factor if you're going to put a lot of air in, into a tire. But this one, they, I don't know, they, they, it's gotten good reviews, and it says that it goes up to 120 PSI, and it runs on 12-volt amp, amp uh, 120, which is good, because I've always thought that 12-volt amps wouldn't really do the big tires that we have very well. And it has a digital display on it, and one of the cool things about it is you set the tire pressure that you want it to run to, and you can just walk away. I had to sit there for over half an hour with the air pressure thing on in order to fill up the pressure. You still haven't explained why it was flat in the first place. Well, I don't really. Uh, the, uh, I, uh, oh, uh, I, uh, do I have to explain to my wife? But she, well, she I'm understand. glad you did. I, I would have worried the I whole trip. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> and it was fine all the way home. I think what the problem was is that the extender that I had on it was a little bit loose. loose. And I just needed a, a wrench to tighten it. I'm glad that's all But I didn't know that all the time, because we were sitting on our jacks, that it was flat. flat. There's no indication of that because there's no weight on the tires. So the thing went flat until I got out there to check. In Tucson. Before, before, in Tucson, before which is a... Oh which is something you need to do. Check your tires before you leave home. Of course, the tire pressure sensor thing would have told me, but uh, it's still a a good idea. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit smaller, (laughs) and we are looking for something smaller, I think we're going to put this one in the car. Try it out and see how well it pumps smaller tires. And I like the the two speeds of it, the two voltages and so it's nice. Oh... Timing is everything, and we didn't have good timing on this next development, um, but hopefully we can pick on, pick up on it when we're home again. Um, did we talk about this last month? Well, we talked about me. Um, okay, so you know that Ken went to the Lazy Days in Tucson and bought an e-bike, which was a real good deal because they were trying to get rid of it, and I didn't get one because I didn't want one, and they only had one. So that made it an easy decision. Even though it was a good price. So we took this bike on one of our weekly bike rides with our Tucson campground. Uh, we love to ride with them. That's one of the reasons we always go there. And within, uh, what, seven miles? A couple your, miles, really. Your battery was dead. And then you came back to the campground, recharged it, and tried to ride around the campground just with the battery, and it lasted a mile. Bad Not news. good news when you're supposed to have a 20-mile battery. So, anyway, we took it back to Lazy Days. They gave us our money back, and we complained to, and, and I should say, the reason why the battery was no good is because it hadn't been maintained for the three years since it had been manufactured. Our new bike was three years old. Yeah, well, because it had been sitting around at Lazy Days. So, anyway, we talked to the company, and they said, whoa, we don't want to have a bad reputation for batteries, and so we'll give you a special deal. And I said, would you give us a special deal on two? And they said, oh, Okay. We will give you a special deal on two. So we got two new electric bikes. 
and we gave them like a four-day window of opportunity for delivering them, and they came through. And, of course, then the bikes came, and in Chicago it was like 30 degrees. <laughs> we didn't feel like riding them. So we've done one test ride, and uh, they you worked. You were impressed? They, they worked fine. You were impressed? The ride was fine. I'm still thinking about how I'm going to handle it. It's very heavy compared to my old bike, but the even without the experience bed. was fine. I'm sure I will appreciate your, it going and, and uphill. Your fears of electric bikeness was unfounded. Well, I, the, the test run I took made me feel like the bike was going to ride away without me, and I didn't have that feeling on this bike. Even though it was the same bike. So we got step throughs that are folding so that they will fit in the back of our car again. Um, and the same company that we got it from last time. So uh, this should be good. We will be happy. This is not a commuter bike, really. It's kind of just a casual bike. But it's supposed to go 20 miles on a bike on a charge. And it should be fine. And it, this has a throttle instead of having pedal assist. I don't like the pedal assist. I like that I can I can choose when to get yeah. assist. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. And you can pedal as much as you want. It has a standard eight. So if you're thinking about electric bikes... The major amount of gears that I have on this bike compared to my own bike. That's what you said. But I don't know where you hid them. Huh? <laughs> I don't know where the other how many bi- How many gears did you have on your own? Three on the crank and, and yeah. seven on the back. Now you have just eight on the back and none on the crank. In Tucson, we rode a lot of hills, so I needed to change gears more than I do at home. Did you change the flat. you change the ones on the crank with both hands, left hand and right. I don't believe her. I don't believe did. her, ladies and gentlemen. She's not telling you the truth. This so where did all my gears go? That's still my question. They didn't go anywhere. You don't have any on the crank. I miss them. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. Now, do you really need 21 gears? Most of them overlapping. Depends where you are. <laughs> I don't think I so. I get to go to a lot of nice places, and some of them are hilly and some of them are not. I also brought my drone along on this trip. And you got to use it today, and you got to wow the hotel guys who were raking the beach so, Because at we've been getting up, at, getting up at dawn, literally. <laughs> so dawn is a pretty good time to go out and fly because there's nobody out there to harass me. Except the beach guys that are raking the sand, yeah. and they were impressed. So I walked out to the beach and uh, did some flying with the old drone, and it worked very well, and uh, took some panoramas and some 360 panoramas and did all the things that it does, and it performed very well. I'm glad you got got to use it and, and I'm planning on using it many more times and have a drone that's small enough to travel with even on a suitcase yeah. but if you are thinking of getting a drone and you're thinking that the DJI is a little bit too expensive or it's too complex or whatever probably it is uh, I saw a, a sample review of another one which is uh, a different idea this one <laughs> it has a, a cage around so that you can't, if you, if you run into something, it's not going to 
break the propeller. It's not going to break the propellers or break whatever it is that you run into. Because even with my little one, we did have a small injury. You damaged our friend's screens in our window. No, no, not that. Oh. Yeah. Our, our next door neighbor got his finger cut. Oh, yeah. Because he stuck his finger in the blade. So yeah, this would yeah. be very hard to you stick your bleed. fingers in the blade. Plus, this is this is called a selfie drone. And the idea is it's got, it's got several cameras and it's got sensors which uh, uh, forward sensors so that you it won't run in, into things. And this one is very inexpensive. We might have to even buy a second drone. Why? Well, for the, isn't her drones? The, right, isn't her. So, dear listener, I'm breaking in here. The sound is so bad that I understand that you can't understand what I am saying either. For the first time, I'm actually doing an insert edit. I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit of information about the drone that uh, I was talking about in the original podcast. This is called the Cody drone, and it is about $125, very reasonable. And as I was mentioning, it is controlled by the iPhone or your or your phone or iPad or your tablet, whatever you happen to have the device. It does not require a special controller, which of course is one of the advantages of the Spark also. I guess uh, I should have mentioned about this audio, (laughs) having had a little bit more time to consider how to record this podcast, I should have just used the internal microphone, which I'm using now, on the laptop that I'm using, because it would have sounded a lot better than it does. So I am uh, truly sorry for the sound, but we just don't have time to re-record it, so on with the show. However, there are other times when you are worth your weight in gold. Really? Because when you travel these these days, um, you worry more and more about um, internet security and people stealing your passwords and your bank records and whatever. Mm -hmm. And you brought a VPN with on this trip, which has so far enabled us to use six devices when we're only been allowed to we're only allowed to use two. Right. And will protect us from other people getting at our data? Yep. Is that right? Yep. So I'm going to put a link to that. And this is nice because it's very small and it looks like a USB stick. But it is not a USB stick. It has two Wi-Fi radios in it so that it picks up the Wi-Fi from the hotel, it processes it, and then it resends out the signal. And we have our own Wi-Fi that it uses and it circumvents the security because when we got to the hotel, they said, well, if you want to have more than two Wi-Fi devices, you have to pay extra. And Beep. We, and we have two laptops, two <laughs> I, iPhones, and two iPads. As well as other stuff, And too. whatever else you have that I don't even know about. <laughs> Maybe. How can that possibly be? Uh, wow. And we've been streaming been watching the news from home. We watched the Lyola. The, the snowy weather report. The snowy weather reports. We watched all sorts of cool stuff through the VPN because the VPN's uh, home address is back in the United States. So it thinks we're back in, in the United States. Once again, I can't understand what I'm saying, so here it is. I'm cutting in again. Sorry about the, the sound level, as I said. Uh, this is a, a big disappointment on my part. But uh, the VPN is a very cool device, which, as I said, is called a virtual private network. And the purpose of it is to provide security for your Wi-Fi. You're hearing time and time again about people having 
their machines hacked in one way or another through Wi-Fi, and this uh, pretty much solves that problem because it provides a secure tunnel through the internet which is encrypted. And of course, you can use these at campgrounds, and that's uh, a very nice feature too because we're in hotels, but uh, we use it in, in campgrounds because uh, they're just as insecure as any place else, or you can use this at an airport or wherever you happen to be where there's Wi-Fi. This device is battery-operated and works very well uh, regardless of its location. This one is um, hardware-based, which is good because hardware uh, that doesn't need your computer will be faster. So the hardware... All the encryption is done by the device, and your computer is then free to just surf <laughs> in its normal way. If you have to have the computer doing encryption and decryption on every single piece of data that comes over the line, that takes a lot of time. And it uses up a lot of CPU cycles, and it will no notably switch your speeds down. And if you use a software VPN, you have to have each device has to have the software on it, and each device is then doing its own encryption and, and decryption. So this works with our phones, works with our iPads, works with our computers, and everything just kind of uh, hums along, and nobody knows that uh, they're on the VPN. But us. But you. And you're happy then. I'm glad you brought it. All right. And know what to do with and it. It's and know what to do with and it. And it has a battery, too, which is nice. So we have multiple aspects to this control. So will it run on solar power? What if it has enough if you have the sun out? So electricity <laughs> continues to be a, an RVing dilemma. And one thing that people look to is getting solar panels so that they can boondock and save maybe money. The last campground we were at, they charged us um, by the month for yes. how much power we used up. And so understanding how much power you can generate with solar as opposed to having batteries or plugging in. There seems to be a lot of confusion about solar. I'm very confused. Are you? <laughs> but not just about solar. <laughs> about the whole topic of electricity. Oh, my. So I thought maybe this month I'd mention a little bit about solar, and you can do a lot of research on the web, but some of the basics uh, we can talk about here. Solar has to be used in conjunction with batteries, and so people who talk about buying a large solar array and then having one 12-volt green battery, just that's just not sensible. Because there's nowhere to put the solar energy to store Right, it? and the solar the panels the themselves cannot really directly power anything because they're unreliable depending on the sun. You know, you get a cloud going over and all your lights will go out. <laughs> so You'd be taking a cold shower. Whatever the situation is. So solar is only used in conjunction with batteries, whereas if you have a generator, a generator will run everything without a battery. As long so as you, you just you just plug it in. Or diesel. Well, yeah, but I mean, as long as the generator is running, it will power your rig and just like it was being powered off the shore power, whereas the solar is used in conjunction with a generator and a set of batteries and an inverter. So for solar, you not only have to put the panels on the roof, but you've got to have a decent bank of batteries that provide uh, power when the solar is not working. And then you need an inverter to take the battery power and turn it into house power. 
lights, of course, will run off of 12 volt. That's no problem. But if you want to run the microwave or anything else, then you have to have uh, some sort of an inverter. And inverters come in a couple of different styles. They have modified sine wave and then pure sine wave. And the pure sine wave are the kind, and of course they're more expensive, are the kind that or that put out power that's very similar to the power that you get from the electric company when you plug in to a power source. And this is the same issue that you have with generators. Cheap generators don't put out clean power. So you want an inverter generator because it has the inverter built into the into the generator. Is it safe to assume if your rig comes with a generator that it's going to supply the clean power that you need, or do they cut corners too? I would think so. It's when you get these construction generators that you have problems with the kind of power that it puts out and the consistency, and it's not highly regulated. An inverter generator will be much more regulated in terms of the voltages that it puts out. So... If you have solar, you're going to put a couple of panels on the roof, and they will then charge the battery, and depending on the charge of the battery, it will power the inverter. So there's a lot more going on here when you, have, when you add solar into the mix. We have, as most of you know, eight batteries, which would be the equivalent. Because we have an all-electric coach. Right, and we have a big inverter, and we want it to run for a decent amount of time. Now, we have three solar panels on the roof, which primarily will take care of the refrigerator. As we've mentioned several times, we want to keep that residential fridge running so that the solar panels will charge the batteries during the day and run the, the refrigerator, and the batteries themselves will run the refrigerator through the inverter at night. So we've been pretty lucky in, in our boondocking experiences that we can just keep boondocking almost forever without having to worry about uh, electricity. But we have a generator, too. Now, if you want to run your air conditioning, that's just not feasible. I listened to somebody the other day who said, oh, we run, we run our... conditioner with, with our hybrid inverter and a 1,000 watt generator. Well, that's not really running your air conditioner with the solar because the solar didn't doesn't really have enough juice to, over the long term, run your air conditioner. Does that make sense? Does it supplement it, though, in the batteries? Well, that's what they were doing. They were running a 1,000 watt generator. So they're using up less fuel, whatever yeah. they're burning for their generator. Yeah, and the hybrid inverter kicks in and boosts the shore power when you don't have enough, and a 1,000-watt generator is not enough, so you need another, well, probably at least another 1,000 watts, probably another 1,500 watts, so you need at least 2,500 to run your air conditioner. And then, of course, that's only until the batteries die, so then your, your little generator won't, and of course, that's assuming that it's sunny outside and all those factors, so I just don't see running high wattage items with solar power on a regular basis. You know, our solar will run a decent amount of time as long as you use it frugally. But overnight, our eight batteries, if we didn't, if we're just watching TV and things, our eight batteries and using the refrigerator would last probably 48 hours. Oh, that's not very long. No, that's why we have the solar. Right. And I was reading an article, some people say, well, I'm going to put a lot of panels on my roof. And I was reading an article, which I will refer to, but 
our goal was to how much solar panels will work on your roof. And it says here that you need about 100 square feet of area per kilowatt for a solar system. And a kilowatt is a 1,000 watts, so that's <laughs> not really all that much power. I'm not running my hair dryer? Yes, you can run it for a short... And a hair dryer is a perfect item that you could... You know, you use it for 10 minutes, and that's it. And but it's the... It's the air conditioner that runs all day. Constantly. And, of course, at night, you're going to be drawing solely on the batteries, and that's just not going to happen. So putting solar on is not really the be-all and end-all answer either because it has uh, some serious limitations. But I am glad that the solar panels are not as expensive as they used to be. They're much more in the running, yes. in my mind, than they well, used to Well, and, and we use them... Uh, found it to be a, a nice supplement to the electricity system, but it doesn't really supplant having a generator and having a big bank of batteries because the solar is, needs those. Now we need to figure out how to put a wind turbine on our roof. A lot of people are doing that, and they sell little wind turbines too, but of course that depends on wind. Well, while you're driving, you make a lot of wind. No, we are not going to Oh, my. I see us going down the road now. Whoops! The generator is going too fast. I have to slow down. <laughs> so I'm putting an article in here called Generators versus Solar Panel, which is best for your RV. And they talk about some of the issues that uh, that you're going to want to take a look at. Um, one of the things that I see these days are these lithium, they call them generators, lithium battery-based power stations. And... A lithium battery that you charge up either with solar or with a charger, and it just once it's dead, it's dead. Is it like for emergencies? Well, no. Like they, see, they, 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 this, this Yeti one, which is a fourteen hundred uh, lithium portable power station, is <laughs> it's just a lithium battery, and they call you it. You can't recharge it. Well, you can recharge it, but how do you recharge it? I don't know. Plug it in. <laughs> That's wind. why you have it. I'll That's why you have wind. it. It's not a generator. I'll it's a storage device. On the roof. <laughs> yeah, well, if you had that, that would be fine. But this is on demand at the push of a button, and it's it's on demand as long as it has power, but it doesn't have any way to regenerate power. A generator generates power from a source. Gas. But anyway, so I kind of get wild when they talk about this lithium power. Well, they fool people like me I who know. don't understand that's, electricity. That's really the issue. I read an article that kind of boggled my mind because I would never do it. Um, more and more these days we have a sharing society. People um, give rides to each other and using Uber and Lyft and rent out their um, back bedroom with Airbnb. And now there's a Wait movement. Wait a minute. I'm not renting out my RV. Now there's a movement to I rent know. out RVs. What I read, this has taken hold in California, where many new trends take I hold. Just, I just heard a re an interview with the president of this company, and he's talking about it so positively. I just don't see renting a fifth wheel or a travel trailer. Theoretically, I, would you give it to somebody? That uh, you don't know. Yeah. Theoretically, it's nice in that you're not using it most of the time, and yeah. if somebody else can use it, and you can get money for it. 
that's a wonderful thing, but you need to determine whether the person you're handing your rig to knows what to do with it. And, and there's so bring much it back in one piece. I know so much. And who's going to have a truck that they can pull a fifth, fifth wheel, wheel yeah. or a travel trailer? Yeah. I mean, that you would trust them, and they're going to have to have the hitch and all the, the junk on the. Yeah, it doesn't seem practical. But millennials apparently find this to be very attractive. They don't, they don't care want to about own the stuff. price. They don't want to own stuff. They just want to use it when they want to use it. But for us baby boomers, I don't see this. It's and, I'm not re- and I'm not renting. But I, I, I would like to hear what you guys think, dear listener. What is the you're thinking about rentals? I don't see rentals as a viable option, um, except from rental companies. You know that that all the rigs are rental, and they. But a lot of people want to try before they buy it. I certainly can understand that as a user, as a as the person on the renting it, boy, that would be a great idea. I would like to rent a you know a specific model and try it out before I, I actually have to buy it. That'd be great. Dealers don't rent out. I mean, they rent, a, they yes, some dealers have rental units, units. that that's, that's all they, they do. do. Yeah. But me, I don't know. What would that do to your insurance? I'm thinking I of, would think the insurance of our would... neighbor who took his motorhome and filled up with gas and took out the back end of his motorhome and maybe the gas pump. There are just all sorts of problems with rentals. Yeah. Whose insurance would cover that? Well, you'd have to have RV rental insurance. Oh, there's so many issues here. <laughs> then I, it just boggles my mind yeah. that this company really is talking about this being um, a, a viable A option. coming thing. So maybe another reason why you don't want to rent out your rig is if you take a look at this website called Rookie Mistakes Explored, where somebody has compiled 300 comments from RVing women, although it could have been men, highlighting the uh, mistakes that they have made as novice RVers. After you read the website, you might decide to just stay in a motel. (laughs) A lot of the mistakes... Have to do with um, sewer issues. Well, but they have all sorts of things. And putting the antenna down, we've all done that. And forgetting to put the jacks up, we've all done that. Locking yourself out of the rig. Um, You can go to the website and see them all. And pat yourself on the back if you haven't done some of those boneheaded things yourself. I think we should stop because we're probably buzzing and we're not on two channels. And people are going to write you nasty emails even though you struggled so hard to make it work. So, um, be gl- but we're probably not making sense anyway be- because of the <laughs> Still, yeah. So be glad you're hearing from us at all. And remember, it's tomorrow. Or yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's tomorrow. <laughs> or both, depending so this, on where so you are. So the podcast this month will be mounted probably on March 31st for you. But for me, it's April 1st. Yeah, so it's going to This is not a joke. The wrong date, yeah. It's going to probably have the wrong date on it because... I'm working hard to put it up on... Oh, that's going to be Easter. Is Easter on April 1st? No. Yes. Yeah, because it's something. Easter is April 1st. So, as a nice joke, I'm going to put this up. Yeah, April Fool's Day and Easter. So, the podcast will be up early, and so who knows what... what We're doing the best we can, folks. So, this is going to be uh, another exciting month of travel, because this trip is 53 days long, so that's almost two months, so we'll be going... Until definitely the May yeah. edition of the podcast. So you can continue listening to me bitch about not liking to live out of a suitcase. <laughs> and that she's missing her favorite dress that she bought brand new and can't. <laughs> and why she didn't bring. 
Uh, <laughs> yes. So from here we go to, uh, we're headed to Sydney, and then we're going to take a little tour of Sydney. And then on April 22nd, oh, the next one, yeah, we'll yeah. be cruising. And we will be sailing around uh, the South Pacific, headed to Seattle, Washington. Yeah. The way we planned it, this Australia tour has a lot of flights in it. I don't like flying that much either. <laughs> Um, because that's the only way and to get... And she doesn't get. really like travel. <laughs> I love travel. Oh. It's the only way to get from one place to another in a big country like Australia. It's as big as the United States, so you got to fly. So we already killed ourselves flying here, so we're going to get on a cruise ship and cruise back to the United States. So that, luck. Well, not only that, but it makes the time zone travel much easier. Plus the fact that the flight home from Seattle is only four hours, so... Piece of cake. Piece of cake. No problem. After the 12-hour flight from L.A. to Fiji, no problem. So, dear listener, we will not see you in a campground near us. We will be camping again in June. But for the time being, in the next month, think about us as being on tomorrow time. And we will be reporting back to you about all the exciting adventures in Tasmania and New Zealand. Uh, not New Zealand. And, and wherever we're going. Australia. And hopefully by the next time we try to podcast, our equipment will be working and our Why? brains and our brains will be working as well. Anything new? Maybe you can buy something. Okay. So thanks for listening. Feel free to communicate with us. We are still. But don't know, yell at him. But we are uh, still part of the email system, and we are working to make the podcast better. And we wish you happy travels. Happy travels. Bye now.